This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't uh, know planes that they're building? Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. It's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. And I'm John. And I'm the mask masker, baby. <laughs> Always something, isn't it? So anyway, hey, everybody, what's going on? Nothing, but I now I kind of just want to copy Josh's intro to where he never says his name. Um, at least for today, I tried to, I wanted to say something different, but I couldn't <laughs> think of anything and I was pressured. And so I just, I went with John. Yeah. I, well, I, I went with the fail safe, hey. uh, but. It's I've really right. regretted my decision. I wanted to do something better. <laughs> I can never think of anything when we say the phone number. So, you know. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I'm the same way. And you know what? I can't, I'm the same. I can't think. And whatever. I can say I'm Shanigan. I, I don't know. I, I'm just going to stick with my name and leave it be. So, so well, my last I mean, name is the Finnegan. Voice of reason on this podcast. So, yeah, that's true. My last name is Finnegan. And uh, one time I was being sued and uh, I, for, I was very young and I called their lawyer for hints or something like some yeah. help <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, really uh, yeah I, I mean i was like uh 20 21 i don't know i didn't re- i was like oh it's a lawyer like you'll help me right no I'm, i was an idiot okay <laughs> but i was like uh, i left a message for him and then uh this one time and then i called him back and i was like hey this is john finnegan <sighs> Again, just uh, <laughs> and then oh, I feel shit. like at that point, oh, right God. at that point, I realized that you were more on your calling. First of all, you're an idiot. Second, second of all, you're also an idiot. Uh, yeah, just um, and I was telling people, I'm like, yeah, well, I called the lawyer, and it's like, yo, that's not your lawyer. Which lawyer did Probably you call? Basis, but you know, John Finnegan. Again, that was that wasn't one of I my. I mean, hire. that should be your like permanent aka like there ain't no shit john about finnegan that again again and just you gotta I have the pause sh- in there where it literally is this is john finnegan again <laughs> just yeah i let it. out like this giant sigh because i knew i was gonna say it because i didn't know what else to say <laughs> this is going totally off of not nothing no if you but... ever have to deal with like creditors or something like that that's what you gotta do like to elicit sympathy from them this is john finnegan oh god i have to do it again <laughs> somebody's gonna feel sorry for you somewhere at least for a little bit um we are getting closer to halloween which is kind of cool so stand by because we got a special episode we'll have uh probably airing just before and not only that but we actually have an author that we're going to talk about that we lined up it's taken a bit we've been kind of back and forth she had some family emergencies and we've had scheduling issues which go figure again that's what we you know. Do. The the insanity of the world keeps yeah keeps keeps, going, keeps so, prodding its you know. its you know way into insanity. You know. This is the new normal. Oh <laughs> yeah. God, don't say it, please. Well, speak of the devil with that. So I'm going to rant just a tad, and I want your opinion, guys, because I I don't 
I can't wrap my head around this. I'm all for freedom, what we're going to do. It's my right. I, I get that. I totally get that. Today, I'm in the grocery store. Again, this is today. This is, you know, we've, things are surging. COVID cases across the country are surging. Obviously, everybody knows mass mandates. Now, even small little states like Montana, for where I'm from, now they're even requiring masks where they didn't require them before. So it's a fucking thing, right? I'm in, still a thing? I, I hear. I hear it's still going around. Hmm. So I'm in the store, and here's this gal. No mask, obviously, which is where I'm starting up. And not only no mask, but she's just kind of perusing back and forth on the aisleways. And and all the aisleways are marked. So here in Utah, and I don't know what other countries are doing or other states are doing, but you know, there's a you know, you go this way and then the other aisleway, you go down this way. She's not even paying attention to that. Like she purposely isn't giving a shit about anybody around her, what she's doing. She coughed a few times into her hand. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like looking at her, shaking my head, thinking, do I, do I say something? Do, what do I do? And so I go to the store, I, I come around, I'm in the checkout lane, and I had a plan to talk to somebody, store manager, somebody in the front, say, hey, there's a woman in blue, she was an out, da-da-da-da-da. However, good citizens beat me to it. Literally, there was like eight people talking to the store manager in the front of the thing saying the exact same thing I was saying. Oh, yeah, she's in this house. She's blue. She's about this tall, brunette. She's not. <laughs> and they we're just going. So, she's being gross as fuck. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't feel the need to say anything. So kudos. Thank you for stepping up and actually informing. But, man, I'll tell you, I, I don't know how you guys feel when you see that, but it's it's like – you know, I, I don't, I don't get, I don't get it. I don't get. It's just, it's, it's very frustrating right now. It's just selfish. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with fucking freedom or your goddamn rights. Absolutely. It's like, you know what? I have the right to fucking health and happiness. And you're infringing upon that when you fucking are refusing to wear this mask in a global pandemic. This isn't yeah. a conspiracy. Yeah. This isn't no. a conspiracy. No. This isn't an American conspiracy. This isn't a French conspiracy. This isn't a fucking Chinese communist conspiracy. This is a fucking reality that we're all living in that we all fucking hate. Put a mask on to be decent to your neighbor. Also, just if you can't put a mask on for your community, then stay the fuck inside. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you know, and, yeah. and if you don't yeah. want to wear a mask, stay home. If you listen to this podcast, you know where we stand. I don't get it, and I really have – I've already voted. My ballot's in the box. I've already – you know. and thank you, Josh, by the way. Went on the website, did this thing. What's the status of your ballot? Um, You you know, it's important. I mean, I think it's important now more than anything. Not dealing with the shit in California where the California Republican Party is putting out false ballot drop boxes. Yeah, yeah. don't put – if you're in California – don't put your ballot in that cardboard refrigerator box with markers on the front saying it's a ballot box. That might not be legit. I, it, it's well, just me guessing. Also, critical thinking. Can we all just well, have a little yeah. bit of critical thinking? Yeah. Here for go to your now. go to your state website, find legitimate drop off locations, or uh, most counties will. You can just take it to the registrar's office and drop it off in person. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And if you are a state that does mail in, which most of the states do, follow the instructions in the envelope that is sent to you verbatim. That's yeah. all you have to I've, do. I've always voted by mail and I've yeah. never yeah. Yeah. thought that I needed to have any concern. I don't know. Yeah, but here we are. So anyway. Yeah, here we are. You know, again, not to go anyway, down the I feel bad. For, that for, I felt like <laughs> I was like, I went on a tirade, but like. 
No, you didn't. Uh, that legitimate, was though. Justified it's with delivered with just the right amount of heat, John. That <laughs> yeah, was like the you. perfect <laughs> slice of DiGiorno pizza after it's had yeah. the allotted amount of time to cool. And I loved it. Yeah. And just to wrap it all up, I would just say, hey, everybody, don't be a fucking dick. That's yeah. right. We're actually excited. So we had a pre-interview with uh, an author that that I, I absolutely kind of fell in love with. John read the book. Uh, Josh, we're giving it to you on your side. Um, it 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 was pretty amazing how she put things together. Uh, we interviewed her prior, and we're going to roll into that now. But just to say, this is perfect time for Halloween, you know, because this is about spiritualism in general. But it's more than that. And when you listen to the interview, I think you hopefully the listeners will pick up that it's more than just, hey, this is weird stuff that these people in these camps are doing. I think it's more of a it's a life story, it's a people story, it's it's feminism, it it it's how it, there's so many things wrapped up into this. And after she explains it and kind of knocks it down, I, I think I will say that and I don't know if I speak for all of us, but I was thoroughly impressed. I, I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, I loved it. That was I loved it. That was probably my favorite interview we've ever done. I feel like we say this often because we just have really good guests on. Thanks, Shane, since you're the one that usually makes that happen. But <laughs> like this, like following T. Krulos up with uh, with Mira is just fucking. It's been a great couple episodes. I, I think so. I think it's a good yeah. intro to season four for sure. Um, wasn't sure I was going to play out, but I think it played out well. And so, unless you guys have anything, without further ado, open the gates. So Mira Patassin is an award-winning author and narrative journalist based in Maine. She's author of the book we are covering here, The In-Betweens, The Spiritualist Mediums and Legends of Camp Edna. Her work appears in New York Times, Atlantic, Vice, and many, many more. It's taken quite some time to actually get her scheduled and get her on the show, which, you know, thank you for the patience on, on everybody's part. But we finally did, and we're great to have her. And welcome, Mira, to Strange Uncles. Thank you. Thank you. And hello, everyone. Uh, great to have you on. I And again, you know, I can't say enough about the patients. Uh, <laughs> we've had scheduling back and forth and we're not going to blame COVID on it, although maybe we will. I I don't know. You know, yeah. it could go either way. Everybody's everybody's kind of now. Now, every day plans get canceled and changed and pivoted and everything's kind of upside down. So it's all good. Absolutely. You know, and, and on that note, I, I got to say the word tentative. I think I've used that a thousand times over this year, and I've never used that word in my life as much as this year. Uh-huh. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. But thank you for your time and thank you for what's going on. Um, as we said in the intro, uh, yeah, she actually is a fantastic author for the in betweens. Uh, and it caught my attention. Just number one, like we were talking earlier during the, during the recap, um, just the cover is amazing. But then you get into the book. You get into the story and you get into the writing style. And I guess the first question we have is, what? Le- God, why? I mean, what directed you this way into this subject in this book? Um, and, and well written, by the way. But you know, what 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 did the beginning of that even look like for you? Sure. Yeah, it was very very random. Um, and you know, I never like I as a, a writer. You know, sometimes you start hitting your often, I'll say often writers start really kind of hitting their stride when um, maybe other people and other careers are starting to learn about retirement. 
um, like if you read a book review, sometimes it'll say, a hot new young writer, and that writer is 40. So <laughs> it just takes a really long time. And I think that's because in order to write um, like a nonfiction, a, a true story that isn't just strictly reporting um, or a memoir or something, you really have to know yourself, sort of. I'm still getting to know myself, but you got to ask yourself, what are you curious about? And what is something that you're so curious about that you will sit down and write a book about, which usually takes up, you know, three years of a person's life, if not more. And so, um, and also on top of that, when you're writing a book about something, you want to make sure that by the second chapter, it's not like the, the excitement doesn't wear off. So it has to be about like, there has to be something beneath the iceberg. Like, um, like a friend of mine wrote a book, called uh, A Sense of the World. And it's a true story about a man who was blind and traveled the world as a blind person in the 1700s. And the thing that was so exciting to this um, author was that the book is about a blind man who became this amazing world traveler when it was a time when the world wasn't helpful to blind people, you know? And, And he said by the time he was like on chapter two, writing about it, he didn't really have much to say except, but he's blind. So <laughs> this guy went to um, a, a restaurant, but he's blind. So so with this book, um, I, I was at a point in my life where um, the, the thing that really, the thing that really made this book interesting or the idea of writing about spiritualism was, A, I didn't know anything about it, but B, um, this is a, about people who talk to the dead. What is not interesting about that? But yeah. I also had to, and I didn't, I don't think I knew this in advance, but I also had to be sure that there has to be, it has to be out about more than just that because by chapter three or so, um, people are going to get used to the fact that these people say they could talk to the dead. And unless right. I actually saw a ghost there was really no way I could force that to, to remain interesting. The, the like, Hey, these ladies talk to the dead, but he's blind. So, um, so before I committed to writing this book and when I say committed, that means like I uh, procrastinated for about a year and a half. <laughs> so then I finally stopped procrastinating and I said, let's do this. And I, the real personal reason I wrote this book is because I didn't know what I believed in and what sort of like society expected me to believe in, in terms of believing in myself and my intuitions. And especially it was because I, I, especially because it was because I had just had my first child and my world got flipped upside down. I'm like sleeping in these crazy hours, not like a, a human, but just like, you know, I became nocturnal and, um, I was so overtired and, and the baby would cry and I'd say, Oh, I know what this, that cry means. And my husband would be like, how do you do speak baby? How do you know? I think it means this. And I was like, just trust me. It's my mother's intuition. And so I'd get really frustrated because, you know, after you have a baby, the world is not that our country is not that accommodating to parent, like people have babies who just had a baby and it's the like the craziest most difficult experience 
And so I was like, I want to learn more how to live my life based on my intuition, even though people might think that I'm crazy. And here are these women who have committed their entire life to living based on their intuition and what they like either hear or feel or sense, even if other people can't see it. So I was like, I have something to learn from these women. Also, they talk to dead people. That's super interesting. (laughs) My biggest fear was that I would actually start seeing dead people and then go move to the camp and become one of them. (laughs) And I was like, all right, let's, let's buckle up and see what happens. So, um, and I, you know, I started and I committed and the way I like, like sort of like technically committed was that I wrote um, something called a book proposal and a book proposal is when like an author wants to write a book, but wants to make sure someone will publish it before they put all the work into writing it. And, and also um, we need money to survive. (laughs) And so I wrote a proposal saying like, this is what I want to do. This is what it'll be about. Um, This is why it'll be good. Please, please, please buy this like publisher support me. And so someone bought it. And then I was like, given a deadline and they're like, good luck, you know, send us the book in one year. Bye. So then I had, like, I had to do it then. Now you're invested. And yeah, then yeah. I just sort of jumped in. Is wow. that, is that, that's the longest answer ever, but <laughs> it's know, the I, truth. I like it. No, I mean, it, no, that's the most in-depth, like why you wrote this book. I mean, it, that's awesome. Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. I and you know it's amazing. So that kind of oh god, this unleashes so many questions. So here, so here's the thing. Number one, I never really saw it as an intuition piece where you, but that completely makes sense. The book is about these people, you know, and yes, mainly women, which you focused on. But you know, there's some men sprinkled in there, and this isn't just a, a strictly a feminist thing. But I think the majority of it is, and the majority of the history has been. One thing that I I wanted to ask you, and I, and I apologize on on our behalf because you know we haven't you've got two books out, and I haven't read the other one. So your writing style, well, this is the first introduction to your writing style. So my question would be when you talk about how you're going to grab somebody and you. You know, you go through, you know, when you get past chapter two or chapter three, you know, what makes it interesting again? And without giving away too much of the book, when you went between the characters that you researched and the time that you spent at Camp Camp Edna, and then you went into the history of spiritualism and you broke it down, then you went back into the story and back into Mm -hmm. the structure. To me, that's really what got me for the writing style and got me into the book more than anything. Um, And I don't know if you can elaborate on that because that, that, to me, that, yeah. that's great. Totally. Well, first of all, I think that's super cool that you – do you read a lot? I, yes. I usually have like three <laughs> books at a time going. All of us read. Okay, I could tell. Yeah. You're yeah. a reader. Yeah. Um, well, uh, here's a small answer to that question. So I went to graduate school for writing and um, never thought that's where I would end up. Did not read um, voraciously as a kid. Was out – having adventures and and being a little wild. And, um, and then I, you know, I went to undergrad and I just, I got a degree in anthropology, which is the study of humans. So that's like super broad. And how do you get a job doing that? Um, So I was just kind of like, you know, flying, like like wherever my adventures led me is where I was. And then um, I kind of thought like, well, 
I really like stories. I like finding stories of real life people. Um, I moved, I actually moved to New York to try to make it as a writer and realize I sucked as a writer. I was pretty basic compared to all these other people trying to make it as a writer. And I was like, I, you know, I need to sharpen my sword. I need to learn how to really do this. So I, um, I learned that you could get your master's degree in creative writing and just, I went to, so I went to school for that for two years and they taught you how to like dissect a book as if you're like a football coach dissecting a play. Like Mm -hmm. most people will just watch the football and some people will like my brother-in-law is a football coach, a college football coach, um, K-State. And he (laughs) would like pause, like rewatch the, the games and like pause it and study the game and see, Oh, I see how they did that. And this, so that I took a class called um, reading like a writer. And my instructor was like, if you, if you take this class, you're never going to be able to really read a book for pleasure ever again. (laughs) So it's like the matrix. You're going to take this blue pill or the red pill. If you want to do this, you know, you're going to be studying and dissecting how the writer pulled this off. So I was like, let's do this. So um, that really taught me how to read like a writer. So, so you're talking about like, you know, I like this, we call the structure of the book. Like how did you, how as an architect did you put this together? And so um, I really like as a writer kind of having interesting structures rather than just like a straightforward chronology I like it when it kind of starts here and then it starts over there and you find ways that they all connect in a weird way. Um, and it's like, to me, it's like um, in some way, like what I do is I, I collect all the information and then I sort of sit down and sort of draw in a really weird way. Like if you were to come in my office, you'd see like the detective's office that looks like they made a crime, like they're figuring <laughs> out the crime scene and they have like, tape going over here and like a I was going to say so, so you literally do a homicide snapshot yeah, on your you wall totally you've got the do. murder board up there the, the red <laughs> strings typing connecting one and dot like, to the other dot sitting on the bottom of my floor crying <laughs> and my hair's all spoken and I'm like how did they do it that's how it is to write a book <laughs> wow. and you like it's you have to become so obsessed with it and you're always thinking about it you're like yes this chapter leads to this one because the connective tissue is the theme of this. So it's like, you can do that. And also a good book can just be straightforward, but I had to like really obsessively think about how all this stuff was going to connect. But the good thing is that um, my, my editor told sort of made me do it a certain way. Cause they're like, I want you to, the whole book has to take place in one summer season. I knew it had to start with the beginning of camp and end with the end of camp. And then also the history of spiritualism is chronological. So I figured, okay, we'll just go forward that way. But I have to decide what periods of history, what years am I going to write about and why? And then how am I going to connect that to the stories about the women at Camp Etna now? And the way I chose the stories of Camp Etna now was just like, okay, we got to go on a ghost hunt. We got to have a seance. We got to do this, this, and this. So it was like all based on activities, which was the funnest part of this book was going on, going on the ghost hunts. I, that um, does sound fun. <laughs> I was, so was for fun. our listeners, um, you kind of start the book out with kind of the history of spiritualism and a bit with Camp Etna. 
could you kind of explain what Camp Etna is? So Yeah, sure. Do you think that, like, before I started this book, I didn't know what spiritualism was. Um, I thought it just meant, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a spiritual person and sometimes I meditate. But do you think that most of the readers or listeners know what spiritual and the religion is? I don't personally, I don't think so. I, uh, the most I knew about it was Houdini hated it. Yeah. I think, I think that's about like where my knowledge came from is Houdini, like, uh, dedicated part of his life to kind of, uh, showing the frauds and the hoaxes right. and like yeah. kind of uh this is how they table knock or this is you know you yeah know. and and here so on my side you know again i've i've re- i've been into this since i was a kid my mom was very intuitive on a lot of the stuff that's in the book so it really kind of hit home for me but uh you know even with all the study and i did not know it was an actual founded thing i've heard I of spiritualism I, wa- I I've seen it, you know, you, I've read Dan Aykroyd's grandfather's book and I've, you know, all the oh, deep, yeah. di- and, and I just never knew. So when you cover that side and you're, you're actually explaining, look, it was founded in, you know, now it's an organization didn't even have a clue. So I think John, that's a very good question. And I, I think if you want to elaborate a little bit on that, um, that, that's a great yeah. starting point. Sure. Um, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, you were going to tell us a little bit about uh, spiritualism, the religion, because it, mm-hmm. I don't think we, we ourselves, let alone our listeners, even knew sure. that it was an actual right. like, and, full on. Yeah. And kind of Camp Etna and kind of where that came from and uh, totally. what it is, what it is in the first place. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. So I guess I'll start with um, what spiritualism is and uh, spiritualism. And you guys can hear me, right? Yes. Ooh. There's a, okay. there's a few choppy parts, but I, I, th- I think we're, okay. it's okay. Okay, cool. So spiritualism is um, an official, like a uh, registered tax exempt American religion or American founded religion. Although spiritualists with art would argue that it's timeless or time doesn't exist, but it's a religion and it's basically a religion that is, I mean, it has like tenants and what it doesn't have is an authority figure, like a priest where you have to go directly through, or you have to go through the priest to talk to God. Spiritualism believes that you can go directly on your own to talk to God or dead people. So it, it's like, it's like an amalgamation of a bunch of different religions. Like they take the best stuff, like love your neighbor and also you can talk to dead people if you think you can, <laughs> if you, if you want to actually think they say everybody has the ability to. So um, that's very interesting. And also the, the birth of the religion is very, very interesting. And you said you knew that Houdini had something to do with spiritualism. I didn't even know that much before I, I like Googled spiritualism and read the Wikipedia page. But so um Spiritualism was founded when two young girls named Kate and Margaret Fox told their mother that they could communicate with a dead person who is living in the walls of their house. Um, and so they sort of, they told their mom and, oh God, (laughs) and then they demonstrated it and they'd say like, okay, so-and-so. Mr. Splitfoot is what his name was. If you can, if you were murdered, tap once. 
or tap twice for no. So they demonstrated this to the mom. The mom told the neighbors the word spread like wildfire that these two young girls could talk to the dead and they started demonstrating it. And in no time they were like filling auditoriums and performing um, for people. They were like the Olsen twins of their generation. They were like so famous. And um, that was interesting because um, they were talking to the dead, but also it was interesting because it, this was a time in America where it was very, 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 very rare for women to be like on a stage, um, sort of like lecturing and, and telling people stuff, um, not just performing, but like demonstrating. And, and, and so this, it was just weird and different. And so something that was also happening when the Fox sisters became famous or were in their like beginning of their fame was the first women's rights convention was being held. So when the women's rights convention and the abolitionists heard about the Fox sisters, they were like, Whoa, the, we have to endorse these people, these two girls, because they are breaking down the conventions of this um, Victorian society where women are just supposed to shut up and, and be in their place. And they're, also saying like everybody is responsible for themselves and no one is more important than God and man should not hold the place of God within his family. So they found their way to interpret the Fox sisters. So they endorsed the Fox sisters and then spiritualism just blew up and people started, Oh, and then the civil war happened where a bunch of people died and they all wanted to talk to their dead relatives. So everybody started having seances as, you know, as common as it was to have a brunch, people would be having seances on Sundays. So when that happened, you know, there were all these followers. And of course, anytime there's like a big movement, somebody's going to try to sort of organize it and um, put it into boxes and make an Excel sh- worksheet. So yeah. they tried to organize the religion and it had like people, it had like a hierarchy So most spirituals were like, F this. We don't want to have like a hierarchy. We don't want to have a president. We're all equal. So they broke off from spiritualism, the organization, and founded these little um, summer camps where people could go and just have a little vacation, but also talk to the dead during that vacation and talk to other people who like to talk to the dead and, and practice spiritualism. So there was like, not just you know, seances, but there were also lectures on, um, you know, loving your neighbor or, you know, everything, everything you can think of. Um, They had lectures and it was really just this big community. And so I had heard of Lilydale, which is um, a summer camp that still exists. And it's really the, a lot of spirituals I know call Lilydale, like the Disney world of spiritualism. New York, right? I had, Pardon me? New York, right? Lilydale? Yes, Lilydale, New York. York. And it's an awesome place. It's open to, I don't know about right now, it's open to visitors and it's 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 pretty cool. Um, but Camp Etna was one of the other really, really big spiritualist summer camps at the time. And it was in Maine, which is random. I mean, not <laughs> a lot of people come to Maine except, well, I guess 
they do now in the summer, but back then it <laughs> back was, in the day. I don't know. I don't know how anybody would find camp at It's pretty random. And, but it would have like thousands upon thousands of people visiting the camp every week or weekend. And it was just huge. They had their own train station and all this stuff. And it was really, really influential. Like one of the camp Etna mediums from back in the day was like the, um, the personal medium to the czar of Russia. Oh my it's God. Crazy. But, but no one has heard of it and no one really knows about this camp and it still exists, but there's like seven women, maybe 10 who are living there still. And they have it up and running in the summer, but people don't really know about it because people don't really know about spiritualism either. So I asked people in the town, like, do you know what is going down, going on down the street? of the, the, like, this is an amazing place. How do you not know about it? And they'll say, Oh, is that a, a boy scout camp or something? I don't know. <laughs> and so, so anyway, when I heard, when I learned about Camp Etna, I drove there and just showed up and knocked on a door That's Crazy. and I was like, Hi, can I, you know, can I write about you? I was really worried that they would see me as a journalist and, and think I was there to tor- sort of take them down and prove them to be loony. Right. But they never, ever hesitated or or suspected anything negative from me, which I couldn't yeah. believe because I would I'm so defensive about everything. Um, <laughs> like, why are you eating that? Don't tell me what to do. So it, <laughs> they were so open and they're like, oh, let's go on a ghost hunt. I, I wonder if that yeah. relates to their intuition and they just kind of yeah, possibly. Had, oh, well, like, that is you, very nice of them. I mean, <laughs> you put off some good vibes and they're feel like, like a good person. <laughs> I mean, I've only just met you, but you, you, you put off the vibe of a good person. You, you seem pretty oh, decent. You. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're Same with take... you guys. <laughs> oh, oh, geez. Thank I don't you. know about Humbled. Josh though. Humbled. Josh, you're a little sneaky. Yeah. I'm just over here. Quiet, turning purple because <laughs> the lighting up here is really terrible. <laughs> He's learning a new language over there. And yeah, like exactly. <laughs> uh, with all that being said, so uh, Mira, we're going to take a quick break, and then I am loaded with questions about. I want to jump into the book. I want to jump into some of the characters, um, and then we can go from there. So, if you want to bear with us, uh, we'll be back. Yeah, in no five. problem. Here we go. Listen and find additional content at mystrangeuncles.com or wherever you get your pods. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us gain visibility. Uh, you can call us at 801-252-69. Yeah, boy. 45. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at Strange Uncles. And also Instagram and Facebook at Strange Uncles Podcast. Close the gates. All right. So over the over the break, we were kind of talking and um, discussing like intuition and mediumship. Or uh, I don't know if that's even the right word, but yeah, that's right, mediumship. Yeah, um, and you kind of said like I think everybody has it to some degree. Um, I mean, do you want to expand on sure. that? Sure. Yeah. Well. Um... You know, when I would say to the media, like it, the whole time I was there, always in the back of my head, I'm like, oh God, if I could just see proof and just see a ghost, right. this could be so much more simple. Um, but that wouldn't make for a good story, but it would be really awesome to see a dead person. 
and see what they see. So I wouldn't be wondering like, is this true? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say to them, you know, I, I just want to see what you're seeing. I want to be able to do what you're doing. And, and they say, you know, everybody's got it. Everybody's born with it. It's just that um, they always would say, um, remember your imaginary friend is it when you were a little kid? Oh. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, but I, I never had an imaginary friend. So I couldn't relate to that part. But they say it, we all have it, but people would just say, oh, it's just pretend. And then it gets like, I don't, not educated out of you, but just like it gets killed yeah this, i mean this, this, this site that we have yeah it seems like once you so, become an adult like that is conditioned out of you like yeah even in fairy tales go to work yeah yeah along with creativity and uh imagination um and this is this really strikes me because i've i've heard that a lot about like basically psychic abilities and mm-hmm. in a lot of different senses like not just mediumship in the sense of spiritualists but like uh um just like kind of like uh the ability to sense psychic phenomena in general like i've been reading this book called the trickster and the paranormal that's like basically a parapsychologist textbook it's ridiculous um I'm writing but- it down it's it's really interesting but it is it's heavy it's like a textbook it's really dry but anyway he says a a lot of the author of that who's george p hansen if i remember his name right he uh he is basically getting that a lot a a lot of it has to do with your personality type but also like as you're as you get older you get told like no that's not possible and so you just kind of start believing it and you just stop accepting that you are sensing any of this stuff and that if you still sense it then you start questioning your own sanity a lot of the time yeah so um, anyway sorry that was kind of a long no, that, way to no. get to i think that's a really interesting point you made yeah same with you it's true and um you know when i started writing the book i was my kids were uh, i'd say 2 and 4 2 and 5 maybe but I think they were still just learning what life is and, and not yet able to, like, I wouldn't say like, do you see, well, actually I would say, do you see anything here? Do you see anything? But um, my son would ask me questions like, what are you writing about? I'm writing about people who say that they can still talk to dead people. And they say, my kids would say, well, what happens when you die? And my husband is an engineer he, my husband is an Excel worksheet actually. And he would say, and he's such a like scientist and um, he doesn't show many emotions and he's wonderful, but he's just, we're very different. And he would say, you know, you die, but I wanted to come up with something we could say and agree on that makes us both feel our belief system valid. So he, we just, with you your body turns to soil and your energy goes somewhere else and the kids are like okay and they that was fine for them um but now that the kids are older I can totally see how even with other things I I have to be careful not to shut it down like their creativity like I'm homeschooling right now because of the pandemic so I'm like we got to do this this and this otherwise they're going to be screwed up and they'll never get a job. But then I listen to my intuition and it says, Mira, you don't know what the world's going to be like in 15 years. 
do you really care what they're learning in school? Because is it important to train them as a capitalist and a future like worker or as like someone who has survival skills and also knows about resilience and adaptation? So um, I've been told like, you know, when, when the kids don't like you want to teach them this, but they want to take it in this direction, let them take it in that direction because they're enthusiastic about it and they'll be creative and, and they're such genius, little geniuses. Kids are geniuses because there's each of them has like their own idea and totally new creative way. Um, so, you know, I think there's no way to tell if it, like, there's no reason to try to guess if, people can actually talk to dead people or if this is real or not, but to know that we know so little and we know that like, if we don't just jog, we won't be in shape that way. So if we don't exercise something that's probably such more sensitive and and you can't see, um, you're going to lose that too. So absolutely. um, I bet some people know how to do it as kids and some, and that's why like they're seen, things or can see things and then some just maybe don't i'm not sure well, yeah you know, i mean there's sorry shane to interrupt no you're fine and i this is just kind of a statement but every once in a while like i have a psychic moment and yeah. where, where i and you know i'm sure it's just i'm sure it's not that but because that's the world that i've been drilled into but every once in a while, i'm like you know i knew that was going to happen or like that I, I had this like insight that that was going to happen and I never really chalk it up to a psychic moment or something mm-hmm. like that, or consider myself a medium or anything like that. Um, but I do have these instances where I'm like, Holy shit. That was, that was weird. Yeah, I, I yeah. totally, are, I I totally knew that was going to happen 100%. Yeah. And I predicted yeah. it. Like I didn't tell anybody I, I would, you know, I didn't make a grand thing about it, but yeah, my thing is deja vu. I, I get a lot of that. I get a lot of, I've been here before. I've done this before. You know, you talk about theories and things going on. And, and you know, when we go back to uh, uh, just real briefly, and then I've got a, another kind of adventure for you, Mira. <laughs> you know, it, it's a shame because I, I think really we're, we're social creatures. We all know that. I think we're driven by society. And so anything that's out of the norm of our little bubble and what we're supposed to do as little Autobots, I think strikes a lot of people odd because it puts them on the outside of that society circle. And I think that's probably some of the reason why people just let it go. You know, they forget about it, it kind of goes away because it doesn't fit into the norm and no. And the last thing most of us want to do is not fit into the norm. And that might be a little yeah. bit of a symptom there, you know, for why we lose some of this stuff. But um, when you were up there at that camp and, and you're, so the characters in your book, number one, are amazing. And and when I say characters, I don't mean you made these people up, listeners. These are people that exist. They go to the camp every summer. They do these classes. They do everything going on. Obviously, you know, you, you, you know, interviewed with them and you interacted with a bunch of them. And I, it might be hard to do, but I'm kind of curious after reading the book, which ones sat out with you? Which ones kind of came out to go, man, this, this group of people or this person really hit me this way did can you answer that at all or is that just a loaded question i think well i guess the answer there well the answer there might be um the ones that i wrote about are the ones that stood out because but also at the same time there weren't too many 
I'd say I wrote about maybe like four or five of the people pretty in depth. And the other ones were sort of just like dingleberries. <laughs> like they were still <laughs> sort of in the book, but they were um, supporting characters. Sure, sure. Um, And they were wonderful. It's just um, for some reason, I really connected with these other women. And um, I think the one that I really um, connected with and I still think about all the time and I'm like, I got to call her. It's been too long is this woman, Barbara Williams. And of course her husband, Steve, because they're always together. But Barbara, um, she was very, she is very intimidating, very smart. um, Really just like, so I met her. Oh, yes. You are the best. Come say hi. <laughs> my husband is bringing me some champagne. Yeah. Um, we're recording. I like more right Thank you. This is amazing. <laughs> Good is, job. Cheers. Like, Cheers. I can pour it up. Yeah. Damn. So Barbara, I met, um, you know, the first person I wrote about is Janice because she's the first person I met at camp. Now she's a table but, tipper, right? Is that correct? She's a table tipper. Yeah, okay. And I met Janice because I think she was the president of the Camp Etna board. And when I said, you know, can I come to Camp Etna? She was the one who responded to my email. So then I was like, well, I, you know, you're my shoe in. But then when I was leaving Janice's house at, at Camp Etna, I drove past a car with this big um, magnetic bumper or big, big man, magnetic sticker that had like a picture of what appeared to be a ghost pic, like a photograph of a, maybe a ghost. Huh. It was really blurry. And then it said, um, are you living with a ghost question mark? And then like call us and the, their number. Mm. And I was like, thank you, God. And I wrote <laughs> down the number and I called Barbara and you know, I'm, I'm a weenie. So when I called Barbara, I was like, hi, I'm Mira. I'm a journalist. Would you please, please talk to me? And she's like, what do you, you know, what, sure. What do you want to do? Well, like not at all sweet talking or no short, what do you call it? Um, to the like point when you're just making, yeah, she just went straight talk. to it. And so she was just very intimidating. And I literally felt like she could see through me. Wow. Of course, I was worried about that with all the mediums. I'm like, they know what I'm thinking, but um, she just was awesome and just would, she, I don't know what was it just, you'll have to read about it because she was just the most extraordinary woman I'd ever met and really had no apologies about anything. And, you know, I'd be sitting in a room with her interviewing her about her life and every couple, you know, every so often she'd sort of like glance up behind my shoulder and I'd say, Barbara is, is there somebody here for me? Yeah. And she'd say, yes. Do you want me to tell you about this person? And so she would like quickly describe who was standing in the room and then move on back to the question. Um, But it was also hard when I was with these women, of course, I'd be, I'd want to be like, what do you see? What is it like? You know, give me a reading, tell me who's here for me from the, from the great beyond. But I felt like, um, that would be asking like a doctor to give you a free consultation about like, you know, can you look at my elbow? Tell me what's wrong here. So it was, it was kind of difficult that way, but I'm glad because otherwise I would just want it to be all about me. 
Yeah, no, and that so. So here's I, a, I have a question. Sorry, sorry again. I keep interrupting you. I it's such a good question. You have to interrupt. Um, but when when she was seeing these uh, apparitions go, however you want to describe them, behind you, um, and you're Janice, right? Is it, oh Barbara, Barbara, Barbara. Okay, Barbara. Yeah. Um, you're like, is there somebody behind me? And she's like, yeah. Do you want me to tell you who it is or what they're saying or whatever? Did did you oblige? Of Were course. You, so were were they relevant to when when she told you things were they relevant to you um eventually they were because yeah. she yeah. would just like it it would almost be like i'd say like what what kind of car just drove by and she'd say you know it was it's a gentleman he's on your mother's side he looks like this and he's just looking out for you and then come back to the conversation and I just thought, okay. Or if I'd say like, Barbara, is there anyone here for me? She would say no. Or she would say, <laughs> it's not important. Um, so she would only, she would just only give me a little bit because it wasn't like an official reading. She says right. she can just see people, dead people as, you know, walking around and, and no big deal. But she also, ex- this gets into another thing where, these mediums have to have like boundaries. Otherwise they're going to like start going crazy because they don't know who's dead and who's alive. Yeah. I was so just going to ask that. Boundaries. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. ask that. Like, how do you separate reality from a different yeah. reality? Yeah. Because it's not, you know, it's yeah. coinciding with your reality. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a question with that, but that's, that's yeah, an interesting sure. way to think that, that like, you know, this is reality. This is, Mira in front of me, this is a table, but then all of a sudden uncle Steve's over there, there. you know, like, (laughs) is, is, is is uncle Steve really here? Yeah. Well, well, that's in this dimension. Maybe uncle Steve is visiting us from another dimension or whatever. And you covered a little bit of that in your book briefly of when you had these interactions. And again, we're not going to give away the book because it's, phenomenal and some must read again it's called the in-betweens um after you have these interactions you're talking to barbara you had that uh situation in the church uh, or the conference hall i guess towards the end you you start putting all this together in your own way and i found that was really really cool that if you had to wrap up with something that was a way to wrap that up i thought that was really interesting it was like a gift from the writing God, because everything I, I genuinely will say everything that happened in this book is what happened in real life Mm. from my, my perspective, from my experience, um, you know, writing sometimes when you're writing nonfiction and it sometimes is confusing because nonfiction, it means the truth and fiction means fake but it just sounds like nonfiction should mean it's not real, but nonfiction is, I always have to go over this in my head and I'm a professional author, but nonfiction (laughs) is like what really happened. And often you're, you know, you could get an assignment from an editor saying, I want you to write about owling, like owls, and you got to make it really interesting. So you either find really interesting facts or write it in a really amazing way and a really beautiful way. But, um, with this, I was worried, like, how am I going to sustain the story and make this interesting once people get used to the fact that these 
people see dead people, um, but he's blind. But really everything that happened, I just was like, I, I was like a medium channeling what happened onto the page. I was like this, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. Um, but, um, of course I was, you know, I was always like, well, I forgot, I lost my train of thought, but basically, oh, so basically what happened was every so often I'd, I'd be rude and I'd say, you know, I know you're talking about like your life as a 20 year old, but can you just tell me, is there anybody standing behind me? Is there anybody here for me? I'd always just do that. It was rude, but I did it. And <laughs> usually the women would say, yeah, it's, um, you know, as a tall man, he's got his shirt sleeves rolled up and he's basic description that could have meant anything, but it was specific enough that I started to notice that they were kind of saying the same thing, but it was a very vague description, but they all said the same description. So I was like, oh, maybe they just say that to shut me up. But um, then, uh, then, and I also don't want to give away the ending, but I, I was my last day at Camp Aetna. And I was, you know, saying my goodbyes and Barbara said, you can't leave yet. Go back into the church and sit in on this class about psychic self-protection. And that's when everything came together and all the little messages that the mediums had given me um, really tied together into something that just like blew my mind. And although I went in not trying to learn, like not trying to, be this like sneaky journalist, like, I know you're all making it up. You all have earpieces and walkie talkies. It's like that question of whether or not this is real played out in front of me. And I have it on a audio recorder and it just totally blew me away. And it was personal and it was specific as hell. And it was a message that helped me personally a lot. And so when I left that day, I was like, this is, the only thing that would like, I believe it. I said, this is real. This is crazy. This, these ladies are real. Um, and that's the proof that I needed, but I also still like wanted to see a dead person, but I can't <laughs> go back to that question you had of like, you know, how do you go crazy if you're able to see dead people? The class that I went to that very last day was called um, psychic self-protection. And it was to teach like budding mediums on how to have boundaries and how to set boundaries with dead people. Because if you don't have these, apparently, if you don't have these boundaries, they will be coming at you all the time. And you will go crazy because you can't tell, like, you'll be driving in your car and you look in your back seat and there's a dead person sitting there. And you're like, what the f- have? Can I swear? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you say, fuck shit, bitch, <laughs> anything. You know, I swear ass. Like, the they're like, poopy, poopy. You know, you're driving, you're like, what the fuck is this? So they would teach these women how to have boundaries. And you'd say, you can only come in during these hours of the day. And I'll just be sitting yeah. here yeah. waiting for you. If you need to send me a message. Or you could say something like, if you appear, I want you to appear like sort of grainy and thin so I can tell you apart from a like a, a living person. Um, and they even have little, you know, packs that they make with dead people saying, you know, if you show up on the right side of the person I'm facing, that means you're on, you come from the father's side of the family. Oh, wow. from on the left side of the person, you're on the mother's side of the family and so on and so on. So they have almost like this way to communicate. And another thing they told me was that while they, the mediums have to 
you know, sharpen their sword and learn how to be good mediums. The dead also have to learn how to communicate. Right. Um, right. And she said, sometimes people are so like spaz when they, someone finally sees them because someone finally sees them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, Oh my God. Well, so it's yeah. all crazy. I mean, it's bonkers. And, and you know, one of the highlights of the book, in my opinion, was uh, the breakdown of the woman in that last day when you went back into the church and what she actually, uh, she, oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, look, this is what I consider myself to be, but they won't go away. And she had a breakdown. It yes. was right. That it, 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 when I was reading through that, I was like, oh my God, this is so familiar. I mean, and it is those boundaries. You don't think about doing that if you're not into this side, I guess, of the world, you know, because in our opinion, this is just another side of the world. People just choose not to pay attention to it. So I, I think you've answered our question as far as, are you a believer? Because <laughs> after, we, oh. <laughs> I mean, after the book, I, it, you know, that gains a big given. But when you talk about the different um, subjects involved in mediumship in general, and you talk about everything from witching to, you know, these, and when we say witch, we mean water dousing or water witching. Oh, what, yeah, yeah. What really hit you the most? I'm like, what interested you to go, wow, I never even knew, or I knew, but I didn't know it was that intricate of a subject yeah. matter in this. And, and I, you know, I don't know if you don't have an answer, that's fine, but I w- I'd been wanting to answer that since you, since you've been on the show oh. and, you know. Oh, cool. Out of out of everything, or out of the activities or the practices of mediums, I think every experience you had. So why you were oh, there? Whether it was table tipping, whether it was uh, mediums, whether it was psychics, oh, you know, something that really hit you at home. And, and oh, I, you know, oh, hands down, it would be. I'll tell you in a second. But I will say, um, what was really interesting was like the inverse happening so much, like. I, every experience I went into, like, oh yeah, here we go. We're going to do some table tipping. My mind is going to be blown. Instead, it was like, it was like non-binary. It wasn't like, this is crazy and so real, or this is bullshit. It was something I couldn't even, couldn't even have imagined. Like, um, okay. For instance, like going on a ghost hunt, I was like, yeah. we're going to be freaked the fuck out. We're going to see a ghost <laughs> and I'm finally going to be a believer because I'll see it. Or this is going to be bullshit. And somebody's going to like, you know, throw ectoplasm or something. <laughs> and instead, what happened with that one was um, Barbara, who is like a ghost hunter. She was leading a tour um, for this place, it was like the new England society of ghost. It, it was a group, right? Yeah. Yeah. A group of like, um, I don't know, like gen, gen Xers or millennials or what, I don't even know what they were, Whatever they are. but they were all like decked out in like the women were dressed pretty slutty, like, you know, <laughs> tiny poofy skirts, baby doll outfits, crazy makeup. It was like all performance for them. And they had all this equipment and it was crazy. And it was all about the adventure of it. But um, it was a lot. And it took them like hours just to set up their equipment and all that stuff. And Barbara would just sit there rolling her eyes and waiting. And she, um, we were doing this ghost hunt and she would say, you know, all I have to do is open my eyes and see what I see. 
And she, it turns out that it wasn't like, oh, we're going to see a ghost or we're not. It was more like Barbara was, people were paying her to, to give the, like to take them around this haunted place. Right. But she knew they wouldn't see anything, but still took their money because the money went, she donated the money back to this um, house or this old um, school. So, so just as a donation to be kind, to keep it running but instead, when the people were off doing their crazy ghost stuff, she would like release spirits who were trapped on the earth plane as ghosts. So for her, it was like community service to dead people and then just took the <laughs> money of these crazy ghost hunters. So I did not see that coming. And it was like 10 <laughs> o'clock at night and I'm like 40 years old and I go to bed early usually. And she said, you know what, just go, go drive home. I had like a two hour drive you're not going to see anything tonight. Um, these people are just intimidating these, these ghosts or these spirits because they're not used to seeing people dressed scantily clad because this place was run by um, like free will Baptists that were very conservative. So these loud ghost hunters are just scaring the ghosts away. So that was really interesting. That stuff wow. always happened. Like I, it just never really, it was, it was like a soft, delicate enlightenment or, or um, teaching me something new that I didn't expect, which I really appreciated. But at the same time, I'd always be like, yes, but I just want to see a ghost. <laughs> and I would say that to these mediums and they'd say, Mira, you know, be careful what you wish for, because if, you know, if that happens, your life will change and you know, you, it's going to be different. And, yeah. and when they'd say that, instead of like, yes, we all can do it. They'd say like, be careful what you wish for. Um, because you're going to have to like set up boundaries and you're going to have, people might think you're crazy. So I appreciated that. And it was all like, okay, you know, I finished researching the book. I'm going to go home and it's all good. I didn't see any ghosts and, um, that's better for the book. But then the last day something crazy happened and it, it really did answer the question of like, is this real or not? And, and the woman who we were talking about, Deanie, yeah. the one who kind of freaked out, um, she now is a practicing medium, like really? doing very well. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And she's very happy <laughs> and she set her boundaries and she moved close. She got up and moved her house, her home to a place that's closer to a spiritualist community and oh. does reading. Huh. She just did a reading for one of my close friends, Linda that was so accurate she's really good she's a really good medium so you stay in contact it sounds like with a lot of these yes. people that you which is the coolest thing i think in the world and and we try to do the same when we have somebody on the show where we research someone and 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 just you know you meet these people and i think that's not only just yeah. because we like talking about weird but when you meet the same people in the same realms it's just you know really hits you at home you know and i think that's yeah. neat that you do that that's fantastic yeah, I was taught that, uh, I mean, I was told and instructed by a lot of um, writing or journalists and journalism instructors or just authors that I've taken classes with that, you know, or listen to podcasts and things that they talk about their work. And they say, you know, I have very strict boundaries between me and my subjects. And to me, that puts on a very uh, fake um, it's like you put on a mask or you put on a hat. And it's also, I don't like the idea of that because I'm no better than them. 
They're not my subjects. Yep, absolutely. And there should be transparency. And really, I'm a writer because I'm curious and I really like um, making cool sentences. <laughs> and <laughs> and so, like, I'm in this as just a regular human. And um, these women would trust me more if I'm transparent with them. And we got really close. And we would, like, we still text. We would say, you know, we say I love you, which That's I cool. say to everybody. That's neat. And I mean it. I'm just like a softie, but, um, we're like really close and like every day I'm like, God, it's been like three months since I texted Barbara. I got to go visit her and hang out. And we would just like hang out, not talk about the book. Um, we've done book club visits together. When my book came out, um, Barbara joined me for parts of the book tour and she was on stage answering questions. She was on stage giving readings which oh, was wow. really made me really nervous. I'm like, cause I'd never seen her do it in except for once in a church to a community of believers. So this were like, you know, people, regular people. And she did awesome. That is she amazing. Nailed it. You know, you, there's something about being personable, especially in this field, because there are, and we've said it time and time again on this podcast, that there are people just kind of out to make a name for themselves. But when you huh. really find somebody who has that personal character, it's refreshing. And so, you know, I just want to say that to you because it is refreshing. There's some authors we have on. We had one on a few episodes ago that that really kind of hit home for us. Um, you know, and, and in a it, good way? In a great way. In a fantastic, uh, yeah. you know, for, to well, me. Who was it so I can listen? Well, I was going to say, so I want to follow up with this. Um, number one, is there anything else on this book? Th- this book is highly recommended as far as we're concerned. If you're ever involved in, you're ever interested in the spiritualism community and these things, highly recommended. And and I don't know if you have any follow-up with that, Mara, on your side. Yeah, the cover glows in the dark. <laughs> we didn't even <laughs> oh, know that. And, you know, honestly, just getting – the cover is one of the coolest covers out there. Like, oh my I, God. I yeah. think it's one of the coolest covers of a book I've ever seen. Yeah. That is like so, the, the, thank the you. pinky's a I little broken and yep. like the, yep. the, the, the yeah. pink and like, Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's a sick cover. Like, yeah. So it, when it we advertise amazing. this on our Twitter feed, whatever have you, um, this will be the cover, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. So hopefully that's yeah, okay. There's no side. way you can see that cover and be like, eh. yeah, <laughs> you know, it is maybe, maybe I'll move on. Yeah. 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 You know, it's so funny. I'll show you the, if I have it, uh, I don't think I have it in here. I have a my first book. It's called Pour Your Soul. And it sounds like it's like pouring your soul, but it's actually P-O-O-R. And it's a saying from my Polish mother. My mother is Polish. She moved oh. here when she was 28. Has an accent and like butchers her words all the time. So if we ever were doing anything bad as kids, she would say, if you do this, pour your soul. <laughs> and, and that meant your poor soul will go to hell. So okay. your soul, we knew that shit was serious. That's funny. But it's poor your soul. And it's like a very basic cover. It's like white with a blue, like it looks like a moon. And and I don't get to decide the covers as an author. Usually um the publisher has a they have like an art department and they they have somebody who does the covers. So when I got my first book, you know, you get this email and it's like the cover PDF. And you're like, oh shit, this is going to make or break everything. And it, and you open it, you're like, oh my God, I never thought it would look like this. So when they sent me the, the in-betweens cover, I was like, oh, it's probably going to have like, I don't know, like 
May, I, I suspected it would have like trees on it and then something sort of eerie that like, actually I thought it would be like the in-betweens you could read it through the trees or something. Uh-huh. But this one, I was like, uh, wow. It is so <laughs> it not subtle. So good. It's so random and it's just like not subtle. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll take it. It but works. it is like it's like a hand with a bent pinky and yeah, the broken pinky before. thing. Like yeah, it absolutely I think it works. Looks cool, man. I, yeah, I, that's, that's what initially was like. There's no way this book isn't good. Yeah, and oh, the thing and the you. thing is, we do the same thing with our logo. Like we've changed it three times already, so we're <laughs> yeah. well aware of trying to find something that works. But so uh, your yeah. publisher. And this is kind of just a random thing. Your publisher doesn't give you any like uh, artistic. Yeah, this uh, one did. Yeah. Like they, they said, you know, they, they said, I love my publisher. Um, the publisher, it, it's all, it's such a weird field um, to get published. Like a lot of people self-publish, nothing wrong with that, but you have to do all the work. Mm-hmm, and when, right. when you have a publisher, they do all the work for you. And they're so, for the most part, they're so good to you. And they like pay for your hotel room and take you out to fancy dinners. <laughs> and yeah. it's awesome. And I love my publisher so much because they let me have a say in everything. And so when they showed me the cover, they're like, you know, if you hate it, let us know. If you have any suggestions, let us know. So my only suggest, there were like some shooting stars on the first image. And I was like, that's a little cheesy. Can we take out the shooting stars? But, and I don't know why the pinky is bent, but I don't even care. Like I Googled what, what it, represents but doesn't really represent anything as far as i know i, I think i think it just gives it that personality and like oh why is that pinky yeah, pin i, I guess it, i better yeah. read this book it might be why a lean, not? it might be a lean <laughs> yeah. towards uh palm reading actually because i've seen that in palm oh, yeah. reading briefly oh yeah possibly yeah. could be but anyway you know it, it's one of those things but it's a fantastic book um i'm polish too myself so yay for the polish people i always say <laughs> i'm not white i'm polish so you know if there's that i separate myself over here but, uh, <laughs> oh, nice. you're a Polish American or a Polican. Yeah, oh, well, a yes. A Polican. <laughs> now I got, I got to write that down. Polican. How do you spell that? My granddad was an old Polish fisherman. And so, you know, it's, it's in the blood. Um, Amazing. you, so it, number great book. You have another, and I'm going to lead into the author that I want to, that we want to recommend to you actually. So you're in the middle of another project. I think I read about, I'm in the very big, well, I'm in, sta- I think I'm in sta- phase one. Phase okay. One. Okay. And it's, do you want to mention it? If you don't want to, that's perfectly yeah, fine. I'll but- tell you when I talk about it, it makes me sort of, it's, it makes the more I talk about it, the easier it is to like figure out what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and the stuff that I don't want to like, it helps me figure out what it is, but um, well, before the pandemic, I had been thinking a bit about um, the idea of prepping and um, whether or not I should be doing some or like not prepping, but also like learn, like knowing how to live self-sufficiently as mm-hmm. much as, as much as I almost need to, or that isn't like going rogue or going a little crazy. So I was just thinking that like as a mother and as a person, like, can I, like if, if I live on an Island which sounds a little weird, but it's, it's almost, it's basically like if a a neighborhood just broke off and drifted a little bit away, (laughs) that's where we live. It's not like we're like the only people out here. Um, 
I'd like to live there, please. (laughs) It's so great. It's called Peaks Island and it's, I love it here so much. But, um, so we live on this Island and if the power shuts down or the ferry service isn't running, we have no way of getting to the mainland. And we have one grocery store and it closes at like seven at night and it doesn't have a lot of stuff. So, um, what are we going to do if we can't get over to the mainland and what if we can, but it's like anarchy. So sometimes I would just be thinking about this stuff and then the pandemic struck and everybody was like stocking up on everything. So I thought, okay, maybe now we're all preppers. Like that idea is kind of lame. Um, and a lot of preppers that I did interview fit the stereotypical description of preppers. And I was like, there's gotta be more to this. Like, what about, um, you know, what about a book about different groups of people nearby who, and like the idea of how to keep up a home, how to have a home, not just like your typical, like I go to Target and buy all my stuff and come back, but like, what about new ways of living? So I'm sort of thinking about following maybe three different kinds of groups of people and one would be um, a person without a home, so a homeless person. Oh, wow. And like, what are the tricks of the trade for living on the street? Like, there's there's definitely a system. Oh yeah, so I'm curious oh, yeah. about that. Yep. I also want to write about or or just help bring forward the voice of indigenous people. You know, I live in Maine, so there's a lot of people who were whose ancestors were here before the white people, and they have just been totally shat on mm-hmm. and I'm curious how they're living and how they are surviving because they, I know they have like been given an area, but how is that working out? They're never given, they're them. never given good areas. No. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it's, no. it's awful. No, it's, it's awful. Ter- what it's we did. History is awful. Anyway, so that's where I'm kind of at. And also I want to write about like a group of people who are homesteaders or like communal oh. living. So alternative ways of living, I guess, which is basically what the in-betweens is about also. So I'm in the early, early stages. And I think I just have to sort of like follow some people around and, and then see what emerges in terms of a story. But it's kind of like a mix between preppers and homesteaders. That sounds interesting. I, I feel like uh, me and the lady are kind of somewhere in between there. Um I'm a basketball fan. We're from Utah. So I'm a Utah jazz fan. And um, when COVID, I feel like kind of shifted into like, this is serious. Everything's being shut down is our basketball team is playing Oklahoma city and the teams were on the court. They left the court and I was at work being like what in the hell is going yeah. on here yeah. you know and all of a sudden there's it shows girls in the stadium crying but like i literally called uh my wife and was just like we need to get on our garden seriously because we have uh we yeah. have a pretty and amazing garden but i was like oh we really need to like yeah our, our, it's it's probably two thousand square feet or so it, it's it's, it's yeah, giant it, t- it garden, takes up a whole backyard it's it insane. takes up a giant backyard but like i've always been like uh, yeah i guess we'll go it's always like tori's thing and i'm like the helper but i <laughs> called her i'm like we need to we need to get this garden we've yeah. been right? figuring out how to get like i don't know a cabin somewhere you know like I had a bidet, so I was like all these idiots buying toilet paper for some reason like <laughs> oh, i don't know but yeah, but and it's it's great. 
I mean, I don't want to go off on that tangent, but um, it's Again. it's wonderful and it's the best <laughs> thing you'll ever buy. I am so surprised right now that you're you have a huge garden and a bidet. It's the bidet will change your life. The garden's cool. Oh man, um, yeah, yeah. I don't, you don't have me convinced, <laughs> but okay, whatever. But I haven't. But I, I, yet, I was, so, I was definitely like uh, super gung ho on like we need to like get this garden because I didn't really know where it was going. Like as soon as the NBA teams walked off the off the court i was like they just stopped a game yeah yeah it hadn't even started whoa crazy and then that was march 11th and i think by march 12th or 13th everything here was closed yep yep so that was like when i feel like that's when america shifted um as soon as i think we're ever gonna go back to the way things were um no not at all. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, of I, I think it, I think I think some things will go back to like a semblance of normalcy, but as far as I think, just with people's like conscious minds, like you know, you do something so long, like the mask thing. Like I'm, our, I, I work at a bar and I have to wear a mask every day, so like I'm already kind of used to that, and I think that will go away eventually. But like, I I feel like people are going to be sketchy, social distancing, like work from home i think there's going to be a lot of empty office buildings which i'm hoping that we can house the homeless in these right. office Amen. buildings yeah but um i mean capitalism there's no way that that's ever going to happen yeah. so well uh, and there's good or bad things to it never really going back to normal though right like i mean normalize wearing a mask when you're sick so you don't get everybody else sick mm-hmm. make it not weird we're all used to it now right yeah or just in general when you're out and around people like normalizing washing your hands yeah you know? Like yeah. hygiene has gotten a lot better and yeah, yeah it would be yeah. great if we could uh, repurpose some of these buildings that are now going to be vacant to help our houseless neighbors. Like, and I, I go way, I go, I, I'm like a pendulum on my uh, optimism and negativity scale yeah. on this. But I, I think if we get the right people in charge, that is something that isn't really that far away, you know, like, yeah. You make that a big corporate tax write-off to say, hey, you've got this empty property you're sitting on instead of selling it. How about uh, like the state pays the mortgage on it and we turn it into housing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is the right people in charge, I think, is the key word say in our again? opinion. I think the right people in charge is a key word in our opinion because I don't believe we have that in tow currently. So Fuck no, we don't. <laughs> yeah. oh my it's, God. It's a thing. I was I, a little, I was uh, like, do we, do we, do I ask them? No, no, we are absolutely. <laughs> we, I know no. we're from Utah. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we are, we are. No, it's insane. In fact, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I hand them, I, I voted early. It's already in the ballot box. I retweet. I, we, anything I can possibly do because Ooh. it is insane yeah. and it's not going to get any better. And what really scares me too is the other side. It scares me of the people that really do back him. Those are the people who are, unfortunately, they, they delusional fit to a walk and talk in public. Um, it's really sad, you know, it's really sad. And, and I, so when we, this is one of the reasons we do this podcast because it's kind of a breath of fresh air for us. We get to talk to people like you and we get to kind of escape that side and go into this side, you know, that the garden John talked about, you know, we, you know, we go, we, we got, I can't wait to grab a couple more pumpkins. I mean, it's, there's some real life thing going on. And I think that's really important because so many people are so stuck in the mire and the muck and they can't find a way out. And I think I that have, sucks, you know. I think a positive, yeah. positive 
uh, aspect in this is I, I feel personally like it makes everything a lot more community driven. Um, Tori and I will take a bunch of tomatoes, zucchini, squash, all that crap, set up a tent in my driveway, put a table, put like free organic produce. Oh my God. We'll just drive by the drive by and like take it. And like, there's this next door app. So like, we're trying to like give back and hopefully that reciprocates to where we can be more community based. Um, in whatever realm that really happens. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, like the, the person we shall not name has <laughs> like somehow tricked people into thinking that if they follow him, they will reap the rewards of greed. And yeah. like, yes, it's, it's, um, it's not going to happen. It, it, it's it's no. insane. It's happen. So uh, and what, what works is like love and sharing and these are the, like if it all ties back to what we learn as kids, like you you share with your neighbor and everybody gets the fair amount. And then at some point, everybody's like, but it's me, me. It's all me, me. I'm going to get more, more, more. I don't care about you. You're weak. It's just it's like it's so weird mm-hmm. and so yeah. confusing. I don't understand yeah. how people got to that point. It's very sad. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I guess like the state of modern politics has kind of killed the the concept of community um, yeah. and like things like what John does when he gives away free produce to whoever wants to come get That's it. Amazing. That helps That's so build cool. it up. Like uh, Shane and I have been talking about wanting to join or start like a mutual aid network in the community just to be like, Hey, Oh, your fence is broken. We'll help you fix it. No big deal. But oh, also cool. while we're doing that, we might talk about how Bernie Sanders isn't nearly left enough. And uh, <laughs> yeah. let you know yeah. that like, just because we don't agree politically, um, we're still good people. We're know? all on the same team. If you make under, you know, four hundred thousand dollars a year, we're we're all on the on the same team. Absolutely. Oh my god, authors make nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I was a professional musician for yeah. my whole yeah. life until just recently. So like, yeah, we don't make shit either. I yeah. know, and it's so sad because the arts are so undervalued, but they're the thing that, like, again, it's, like, one of the, like, not so much for me because I, you, I am a person who uses words for my art, but, like, there, I was listening to this other podcast, which is really wonderful, called On Being, B-E-I-N-G, On Being, and it's, okay. um, it's beautiful, like, spiritual, not spiritualist, but spiritual podcast, and somebody was saying, like, um, how important um, the arts are because there are some things we just can't communicate with words. So we all listen to a piece of music and it can hit us in a certain way mm. in our own individual way. And it just makes us feel and we can connect through that way. And I feel like the more we cut that out, the more, or the more our, our, our government cuts that stuff out, yep. the more they're just screwing us because then we they like we're working every day for them so we can like pay off this and pay off this and keep up. But we'll never get to that point where we are as rich and powerful no. as the idols no. they want us but to work. That, I mean, but that's just capitalism. It's like, well, maybe yeah. you could golf on my golf course, but Ugh. I well, doubt it. We have a problem <laughs> where, you know, people in our income bracket, um, 
like to think of themselves more as temporarily embarrassed millionaires than as uh, <laughs> one paycheck away from not having somewhere to live. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and that's like a real hard reckoning for um, most people because they've been brought up on the myth of the American dream and making yourself on your bootstraps. Like everyone who sells that hides the part of, of their story where they, their parents owned an emerald mine or they got a small oh, million God, yeah. dollar loan from their dad to start a or real plantation, business, you know, exactly <laughs> like behind every vast fortune is a vast crime. And, um, that's the part really? that they hush up, you know, I mean, yeah. like, like to, to make it nonpartisan, uh, like the Kennedy's money comes from, uh, Joe Kennedy running booze during prohibition. Like it's, you know, it, everyone who's insanely rich, someone did something nefarious to start that off. And then they inherited that money and they want us to believe that they pulled themselves up from their bootstraps so that instead of asking why, why they're not helping the community, um, we're saying, well, that could be me, you know, like don't tax the rich. That's going to be yes. me one day. Right? Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. Like you really got to check your core values. And I, I guess that's why I have trouble. Like I consider myself a very empathetic person, but I couldn't, I don't understand. I can't empathize why someone would support that who person who I will not name because nowhere in his values does he talk about helping the protecting the vulnerable and helping other people. And I, I feel like if anybody has like, over a million dollars that's enough you give the rest away yeah you you've reached your peak now what you need to do is become of turn into that commonwealth with everybody else you know like that it it, it's just it well you know again we're getting a little off subject but yes i'm glad (laughs) all of a sudden uh, this paranormal (laughs) podcast my eyes haven't gone black and but I you know, this is where we talk about the community and spiritualism. And spiritualism <laughs> exactly. is exactly. a community yeah. where they all try and yeah. support each other. And yes, bam, well, segue. There you We're go. Right exactly. back into spiritualism. Their <laughs> like um, code of ethics is basically love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And we totally need that. That's why. I, I guess the 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 reason there's so much crap is because people lost like don't have the right value system or they just have different value system and their parents weren't nice enough to them. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably and similar too. Feel loved as absolutely, a kid absolutely, yeah. And it goes back to creativity too. And I think when you talk about that, you know, we that's something that we're sorely lacking in society currently. And I and I hope to God, knock on wood, that that doesn't go even further away. And with the route that we're going, the road we're going down, I have a feeling that that will completely disappear. And that's what breaks my heart because we shouldn't, you know, when you talk about that, whether authors and musicians or whatever, we make money, we don't make money. I, I'm in the middle of writing a book and I just doing it just so I can get things down. But I know for a damn, I'm not going to make nothing, <laughs> but no, we, it's fun to do, you know? So what are you going to do? But, um, yeah. so number you know one, cool? you might, you might, you never know. Because if you're being totally genuine and authentic, it may not resonate with people until a certain point or you never know until the context of the world changes. But as long as it's not like a flash in the pan 
and it, it doesn't have an expiration date, your book will always be like relevant or, or will just be, um, you know, it's like, instead of writing an, a biography of, I don't know, Paris Hilton or something, Kim Kardashian, <laughs> eventually that'll be old news. Yeah. Um, I think hopefully, um, it's a weird, she will, death becomes her. She will live forever, (laughs) but it's like, as long as you're being genuine, someone will, it will relate to someone. And, and also like the majority of people maybe like, don't let themselves be who they are. So they like, they'll refuse to let it resonate. Maybe. Yeah. Agreed. No. And I think it's amazing. I th- well, you know, yeah, working on it. You know, I got a title and I'm in a chapter three. We'll see how it goes. Oh, great. I'm trying not to go, oh, but he's blind. It's, you know, <laughs> we'll try to figure out how that works. Um, anyway, so much. Just thank you so much, Mira, for coming on. Great. Is there anything you want to plug, anything you have on your side to, to kind of wrap mm-hmm. things up that we can help you with? No, nothing personally. Mostly just, you know, uh, don't idle your car. It's bad for the environment. Absolutely. Um, that's true. Be kind to everyone uh, and just don't be a racist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. what? What? You have to say that <laughs> out loud? Anybody. I want people to hear that. That's just I don't know. fucking crazy. I've never heard of that yes. phrase in my life. God. <laughs> no, anyway. just be a good person, everybody who yeah. hears those words. Well, Mira, for what it's worth, again, listeners, The In-Betweens, a book written by Mira Patassin, you um, – God, don't let it pass you up. It, it's well worth the read oh. for sure. It gives you a, a different insight, not just in spiritualism, but just in, I think, people's lives and how they choose to live them, um, if nothing else. I think it's really cool. And if you ever get over here to Utah, so John's wife and my wife and us, we all pack like what? We got 20 jars of pickles from the garden. If you need pickles, come get them because uh, we've, we've got some. <laughs> so I'm so yeah. goddamn sick of, <laughs> of pickles. <laughs> Of just pickles. zucchinis and pickling zucchinis. It's like were these plants just quit growing? Just stop growing. It's too <laughs> They're literally crushing the new uh, shelving that I bought. <laughs> it's I insane. Throwing them on there, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. They're finally slowing down. Like I, I can't wait to just sit inside all winter. But yeah. anyway, you have to send me a picture of your garden. I will. Um, it's it's goals. not looking that great anymore because we've had some like low temperatures and so it's kind of like whittled down i'm having the chickens no, that's eat it so now, awesome but, yeah. good for you Thanks. we just yeah. have tomatoes and chard and kale and that's it i mean you know still good everything though. everything is important yeah and nothing Absolutely. nothing is small um we were just lucky to buy a house with the biggest ridiculous yard ever so yeah. we're that like, is well, so great that is so cool sure. yeah. it's so yeah. cool that you give it to people too yeah i mean there's i have too much it's ridiculous. Like I can't get people to come over. I wish other people would do that with every resource that they have, you know, that's that's how we become better. Hundreds, if not thousands of tomatoes. It's like, there's, there's, I, I, I'm forcing myself to like tomatoes because I'm like, no, this is good. You can keep your tomatoes because I'm not a tomato (laughs) fan. I can't. I know. That's what I'm saying. We have to give it away. I can't eat enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mara, thank you so much for your time. This was super fun. Um, yeah, we'd love to have you back I've anytime. Had a great night too. Let us know on your book. Let us know on any uh, upcoming things we can do. Um, would love to invite you back on because I think these are the funnest interviews and the funnest times. Is just people that you really can relate to, and and I feel that we can too for you. And we're not a huge podcast, but we love what we do. And having people like you on really makes a day. So 
Thank you. Much you know what? The, the mediums call um, like these friends that you randomly find that you really can relate to. They call them your soul packs. Oh. And you always find one another in your lifetime. That's cool. Cool. I one last that. note before you leave. The author I want to give you that we all want to give you is called T. Krulos. Oh, yeah. And one of the reasons I asked I you about that. your T T E A K R U L O S. And the reason I asked oh, wait, you about your T-A- new project, T E A, just like T. Okay. Krulos. And he actually wrote a book. He has a new one called American Madness, which is just an insane story. You really should pick it up. But he did write a book on preppers. And so your project, um, you know, I think he goes a little bit more towards a doomsday preppers thing, maybe a little hardcore more than what you're thinking. Is this a new book? No, the preppers is an old book. American Madness is fairly new for him. Yeah. Oh. So, Great author. Cool. Okay. Awesome. I will look into it. I also have a suggestion. Um, I don't know where you guys, if you listen to news or read the news or watch news, I personally am a huge fan of Democracy Now. Oh yeah, already got it. That's an every morning cup of coffee drinking. Yeah, yep, yeah. We we all have it. Okay, good. Okay, you know, I never know because it's like it's not high production and it's like super basic, but it's so good. Yeah, no, Amy Uh, Goodman always sounds like she's in a hallway. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So much echo. I (laughs) made. And this is democracy now. Um, oh, you guys are so cool. <laughs> I had no idea who I was going to be talking. I personally, I thought you were going to like take me down. Oh, oh, oh really? Like, Where? Oh, they're going to be like, oh, you feminist author. Oh, <laughs> no, absolutely. We, we love, we love feminist authors. So it's, yeah, yeah, the best. It's great. Yeah. Are you all in Utah? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, you know each other. Oh, I uh, knew Josh worked for a band that i was in when i was like a kid um and that's how we kind of met each other um and then shane was talking about remote viewing at the end of my bar um almost two years ago yeah two and a half years ago i I was was a transplant i had just gotten to work and he was talking to his wife about remote viewing and i was like is this motherfucker talking about remote (laughs) viewing i was like uh hello sir yeah, and then, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think I yeah. just watched a documentary about remote viewing. And then yeah, like, so yeah. I, I kind of had this podcast going on the side, and then when I met these two, I met John and and Josh. We went to a UFO festival, met Travis Walton, and it was all over after that. And so we just decided to get together and make this little monstrosity we call Strange Uncles. And so here That's we are. So cool. Are you guys all? Is it because you guys are all uncles? No, I'm not an uncle at all. Uh, I'm an uncle, but we still don't really know where the name came from. I like it. Yeah, it it's, it, I don't know. Something I came up with. It's glitchy, if nothing else. Yeah. But Shane had it, and we're like, yeah, that works. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Listen, if you guys ever want to come to Maine, come to Maine. Absolutely. I mean, now it's like, can go anywhere, but it's very lovely. And something that we do um, is, we'll, like, we've never locked our house. We don't even have a key. But because this island is just so safe and sweet and cute and everybody is like Whoville. Um, <laughs> it's like a bunch of hippies who moved here in the the 60s because it was about here. And now they're all old and then younger people here. Um, if you guys ever want to come, you can stay at our house anytime. Let people come here oh, all the awesome. time. It's Airbnb, but we don't charge people. We just leave and all our stuff is at our house. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So if That's, you ever need to yeah. get away, please don't hesitate to take me up. I grew up in Montana, so we never awesome. locked our house and never took our keys out of the car. So yeah. Very, it's nice I, I may like hit that. you up on that because I've only been. <laughs> yes, before, please so. do it. Yeah. We also have a bunny and two dogs. Oh, that's great. Nice. We have six chickens and one old dog. <laughs> she's a lady, but she sounds like a drunk alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, totally I does. have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> like, how does that sound coming out of you, Buckley? Is she a scruffy? Dog? Oh, she's she's super scruffy. Oh, I love it. We have a scruffer. We have a scruffy dog. Yeah. I do. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, I guess I better go. Yeah. Oh, I, one, more, <laughs> one more thing. The totally random. The other night, so I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and they're amazing. Kids are so amazing. I love hanging out and playing with kids. Best thing ever. But my son is now old enough to watch, like, better movies, like, not just cartoons and stuff. So we watched the movie Clue. Did you guys ever uh, see that? That's oh, one yeah. of my Clue's favorite movies ever. So good. Tim, one oh, of Tim so Curry's good. best roles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. I, it's so good. I didn't watch it since, like, I was in fourth grade and we watched it a couple nights ago. It's so good. It holds up. But at the end, uh, this guy, I forgot the actor's name. He says, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. So now every time my seven year old leaves the room, he goes, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. (laughs) I'm going to start doing that too. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. That's (laughs) That's awesome. I'm going to stop recording this podcast and uh, uh, go sleep with my wife. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, there you go. All right, you guys stay in touch. Okay. I think you're oh, all yeah. such yeah. beautiful souls. Such yeah. good yeah, people. It yeah. was awesome to meet you and talk to you. This is What a treat. And Shane, if you need any help with the book stuff, hit me up. Thank you. Much appreciated. And I really mean that because like when I was learning how to navigate the world of writing and publishing, like there's no like set of instructions. You just got to like have people help you. I I've learned that the hard way. Um, that's why I'm only on chapter three. So, you know, <laughs> slow work. How long have you been working on it? A few. Well, since co- well, how long has COVID been around 10 years? I, I don't know. Whenever COVID started, that's okay. If you need any help, I'm here. Yeah, I got you. That's cool. That's cool. No, hopefully it'll be good. It's, it's fun just because I've got so many experiences of just weird stuff in my life that between my mom and between, the, it just weird stuff. And I just want to write it down and kind of throw it out there. It's more of a, I don't know, semi-autobiography. I, I don't know. It's a memoir. It's well, a memoir. It, it's actually called Memoirs of a Kook. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. There's we'll nothing see. wrong with memoir. It's basically a snapshot of a life. That's what I'm going for. We'll see if it, <laughs> we'll see if anybody likes it. And we'll you go got from this. That. You so, got this. Anyway. All right, you guys. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you. Great meeting you. Touch, okay. Definitely. Thank you. Yep, yep. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye bye. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates.
she really is amazing. When you talk about people with a good soul, I feel she has one. Um, I always love someone who just, she's so excited for what she wants to tell, the story she wants to tell, how she wants to describe the book. Uh, it just, God, I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and her personality really shines through in her writing. And um, if you, you definitely got to pick the book up. If you like that interview, you you can see your personality in that writing and it, it, it really shines through. So do yourself a favor and pick that motherfucking book up, yo. Just kidding. Yeah, and I that was just a joke, everybody. Not to pick your book up, but like my funny voice. I'm excited to <laughs> like read I'm excited for a new project too that we talked about a little bit. Like yeah, uh, that sounds super interesting and like right up my crazy, somewhat paranoid alley of where I think our society is going. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, you and I have been talking pumped. about that on the side a little bit, but I, I think honestly, you know, so we recommended T. Carillo's to her. Um, I think, I don't know if she wants to go quite that extreme, but at the same time, how she wants to lay things out with how does this person live? How does this person live? I, I think that's very unique. And I think that's a perspective that is kind of, kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she'll want to take her own perspective, but uh, it, doesn't hurt seeing someone else's perspective and seeing like this, you know, other side or like kind of in the same realm of things. So, well, and especially like her, uh, wanting to follow like some houseless people and some indigenous people and see how they're like, kind of, that was cool society right now. Like that I think is super interesting. Hopefully you guys like that. And what we're going to do is I'm going to reach out to her, in the future for her books. And I'm actually going to pick up her, her other book, Pour Your Own Soul. I think she said it was um, yeah, we need interesting. Yeah, to check that one out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe just, we should just have her writing. Well, I'll read that and then have her back on for that one. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like she's she's totally <laughs> on board. I mean, I think it's great. Um, we don't want to inundate you, but at the same time, when we find somebody who just really has their heart and their soul for something that they do, we find it important that we share as much of that as we can with you guys in the light of mm. – you know, kind of where we're at. T. Krulos was another one that, you know, we felt that we really needed to share. And yeah, I know for you Patreon members, you know, we threw a lot of stuff out there with, I even dug up an old, um, and I don't know if you guys checked out, but I dug up an old uh, Phantom Patriot show that he tried to do. Oh, did you find one? I did. And I threw that on Patreon. It was like the first episode Um, just to kind of paint the the picture of that man that he wrote Mm. about and that, uh, you know, sadly it became, and, and again, it's a, it's a great book, but I, I don't know. These interviews I find, I, I love them the best because they're very personable and I think it brings out the best in everybody when we do them. And I know it brings mm-hmm. out the best in us. And then you can follow us on everything, all social platforms, all podcasts. You can call us if you have a story or, you know, even lately we've been just having great authors on board. If there's a book you've read and there's something you want to recommend, you can call us at 801-252-69. That's a funny number. 45. <laughs> and we can go from there. Or you can check out our email. You can write us uh, whatever you want to do there at strangeuncles at gmail.com. And check out our website at uh, stra- mystrangeuncles.com. And social blurbs. Where are we there? Uh, yeah, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Strange Uncles Podcast. We're on Twitter at Strange Uncles. We're on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Y'all should go check that out. Uh, during the pandemic, we put up uh, the video portions of our of our recording. Uh, so check those out. Follow yeah, us. Yeah, well, and honestly, hit us up. Let us know if you like the show. Let us 
know things you don't like about the show. Let us know the things you do like about it. Like, um, let's start some dialogue. Oh, by all means. Yeah. Topics, wherever you want to have. And for Patreon members too, by the way, stand by because we are trying to plan another strangers around the table. Um, Ian, we're talking to you amongst other people. Oh yeah. We were supposed to do that like two months ago. I know we're, I was thinking of that the other day. Actually, We're we're slackers, but we're going to try to make that happen for the most part. Patreon members, we, we much appreciate you. And if you want more of strange uncles, you're not a Patreon member. Please feel free. You know, we've have uh, we got little tidbits out there. We have unedited versions of these podcasts that we throw out where it's just kind of us bantering back and forth in betwixt all the, the refinery. And it's kind of fun. So with that being said, are invited to join us on Patreon. Close the gates, everybody. You've been listening to a fourth hand production.